coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Oh, and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, if acronyms aren't your thing. Um, next weekend, I'm heading up to Canton, Ohio for the FF Expo for meeting the industry reasons, but don't tell anyone. I'm actually just going up there to hopefully meet some people I've only ever spoken to on the internet before. And if you're up there, let me know. So that's really why I'm going. I'd really just like to hang out with some of you all. Um, but that means that next week's episode for the podcast, the Dynasty Grind on Wednesday is still good to go, but um, the next week's episode might be a little bit cramped to try and fit it into a schedule where I'm driving back here. So I was trying to think of a subject that I could divide in two and pre-record for next Monday, next Sunday, Monday. And so since we just talked about consensus values, consensus ranks versus ADP. I thought maybe I'd talk about consensus values, just looking at my ranks, players that I'm exceptionally low on and then exceptionally high on. And we're starting out with the players that I hate the most according to ADP versus my ranks because, well, the players highest in my ranks are the ones I'm telling you about that pop out at the end of my process looking for breakouts and players more likely to sustain or increase production. I mean, that's what we've been looking for and rookies and breakouts. So you and you can also see my ranks anytime on Patreon or DLF.com, so you should know. But I haven't had a lot of opportunity to talk about players that I don't like as much, sometimes as a consequence of trying to like other players even more based on what we've been talking about this offseason. Um, and so, yeah, I just felt more animated looking at those. So that's going to be this episode. Let's talk about the players lowest in my ranks compared to ADP. And next week, we'll talk about the ones that are highest in my ranks compared to ADP. A uh, list of names that should probably be pretty familiar to you. Unless this is the first time here, in which case, thanks. And also, I'm, I'm pretty amazed you made it to the end of the introduction. To be honest, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. this shouldn't take long i mean i should know why i don't like players right this will be easy uh the first name on the list is jonathan taylor okay i'm back um yeah i don't know i think he's gonna be a top five 
running back again. He's great. I liked him really well as a prospect. I like to I like him as well as I like Brees Hall this year. And he went to a better team, a team I really like to target for players because I think it manages itself well. I really like that front office and that coaching staff. They seem to be making a lot of good decisions in some ways, um, or at least effectively managing a team. Uh, so what don't I like about Jonathan Taylor? I mean, he's drafted six overall in Superflex, but the way we're looking at values adjusts for position, so I can't cry running back here. Cry, it, it adjusts for position and also draft round and draft picks so I'm fading him harder than anyone else why don't I like him I don't like his receiving work he is not to me the golden standard of what a running back means because I like Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and I like Alvin Kamara's as well I, I don't like to buy top five running backs or quarterbacks for that matter when they are accurately priced there so I feel like Jonathan Taylor is accurately priced right now like, I, I fully understand. He's 23. He's a stud. He's going to dominate again this year. But if I can trade someone like Jonathan Taylor down to someone that other people don't like for less reasons, like any of the old guys or some of the names I just mentioned, plus I'm going to do that. Now, again, that's not why he's lower in my ranks, because technically I am valuing him less than other people. The actual reason is if drafting a running back that high, I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey and I'm going to take uh, Saquon Barkley. And so I have both of them ranked ahead of him in ADP in my ranks. Um, and I have all three of them ranked slightly lower than where ADP takes the top three running backs, which is why I will fumble in to Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey much more often. In fact, especially Saquon Barkley, much more often than I will Jonathan Taylor. It's not like I don't like him as well as anyone else. It's that I am downgrading the position and also... If drafting running back, I'm going to take the most upside. All running backs get injured. The idea Jonathan Taylor is less likely to get injured next year than Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley is actually, in my head, in my process, it's fictitious. I don't know. They're all under 26 years old. They're all stud running backs. If they're all healthy, I think they finish Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and then Jonathan Taylor. So... If I'm drafting one of those running backs, who is my running back one? It's Christian McCaffrey. Then it's Saquon Barkley, and then it's Jonathan Taylor. I'm not going to play the, what are they worth next year at running back. Now, you could argue value. That's true. If one of if Jonathan Taylor gets injured this year, I don't think it does nearly as many bad things as Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. And I think that's fair. But again, it's probably just because I'm not willing to give it that upside for the level of belief I have that I can know that any of those things I just said were going to happen. One, that any of them are going to get injured. And two, that Jonathan Taylor's value would really sustain harder. Like, does Jonathan Taylor really maintain his value in that situation? Especially with the 2023 draft class coming in? Pro probably. I'm going to simplify it. If all are healthy, who would I want? And Jonathan Taylor isn't close to one for me. He's number one in the second tier. Um, even though he's a stud, I'm definitely going to dominate this year. So, yeah, that's why he ends up um, like the hardest fade in my ranks overall. It's not strong, or at least it's not me screaming numbers at you or why he's terrible, because he's not. Take few shots, but make them strongly. It's not that I know Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey are more likely to outproduce him this year. 
It's that I think that's the best guess I can make if all are healthy, and so I'm going to go all in on it. And something like that, where the ultimate upside in all of fantasy football is having the running back one, two, or three, I'm going to go all in if I'm making that pick. And that's Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley for me, and, you know, doctors can be mad at me, I guess. Next up is Justin Fields. Justin Fields, uh, I don't bet on players suddenly becoming better because it would be really cool if our rookie prospects were actually better. I do believe he can rush. I do believe he was much better than what we've seen in the NFL. I think he was actually, as far as I do evaluate quarterbacks, Justin Fields looks great. It looks like the team did him poorly here, but... I'm not a coach. I can't say that for sure. And bounce backs from such poor showings, like we've talked about wide receivers, is why I have to be realistic about my Rondell Moore love, is unlikely. It happens less likely. We have seen multiple high-level quarterback breakouts lately. So even if you're just looking from a progression of talent into the NFL, we're probably not short great quarterbacks right now. We're probably richer in young great quarterbacks than we have been since Drew Brees was just in the league and Peyton Manning was post-injury and just had his first season back in Denver. Like, we have not been this rich at quarterback for a while. To hold out hope for such a poor rookie season, when there really is no need in terms of historical progressions and breakouts for it to happen, and the team has seen no inclination towards improving the roster or the skill positions or doing really much for Justin Fields, like, I'm sorry, I don't know if it's... If we're just wrong on the evaluation or the team screwing him, I'm willing to... Playing fantasy football, I don't think it's likely he's going to break out into the top 12 next year. To the tune of 71% difference between my overall and positional ranks of Justin Fields compared to consensus ADP. Uh, I'm not paying up all the way to spot 24 when we've got top 12 running backs and top 12 wide receivers and already proven top 12 quarterbacks available where he's going. And by the time I get ready to make that that bet that his rookie profile from college could still come to fruition, even though that's a fairly rare, rare event, even at the quarterback position, um, I'm well past where he gets drafted. So he just continues to fall in my ranks. Like, I don't... Across all positions, I don't like the narrative, he's better than he played, let's bet on the moonshot at a very high value. It's like, no, that's just not, that's just not something I'm going to do. The next value, uh, the next player I'm hating on the worst, and to be fair, I don't think I'm necessarily hating on him here. I think ADP has done lost its mind. Drake London is currently drafted as a wide receiver 13 overall in Superflex ADP. Now, I don't get this. This underlined how ridiculous this draft position is for Drake London to me, and then I showed it to Matt Spencer, who was helping out the calculation, and he said this comparison was random. I don't feel it's compare I don't feel like it's random at all. I feel like it's a very good illustration of why you done lost your mind. Last year, and again, talk about a position that's seen all the young breakouts you should probably ever hope to have in a five year period, let alone in a two year period. Um last year two rookie wide receivers, a, a thing we've only seen twice before in the last ten years, um, and we doubled it last year with Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle hitting the top 12 in their rookie season. Again, that's only happened to my memory twice before, and it happened twice last year. 
Jalen Waddle right now, after having done that, is drafted six spots ahead of Drake London and Superflex ADP at wide receiver 12. Like, what's the upside here? If Drake London does that, he might move up one positional spot or just justify that value that he already has. I, th- no. Out. Thank you. Really surprised this is only my third hardest fade because I could not... That could not make me feel more nauseous. Drafting a rookie that high, if I liked the profile or didn't have questions about whether he could fit into the NFL, when every conversation I've heard about Drake London fitting that level of production is, if begins with, said with some level of, you know, they're changing the words, but what they're actually saying is, if he plays entirely different role than he played in college, he could be a top 12 receiver. Great. What? why does that give you more hope it scares me like it happens it happens all the time but if the starting position has to be if he plays an entirely different way than he played in college like what why is that anyway i'm out no get out of here with your wide receiver 13 ranking uh, the next guy I'm valuing, uh, lo- a lot lower than consensus, um, is actually Devontae Adams. And I actually had to think long and hard about this one. Like, team old guy? Why not? Like, I don't get why everyone hates old guys or, you know, wide receivers after the age of 27 when they are discounted. But freaking loves them when you have to pay up into the top 12. Like, no one's scared of Devontae Adams changing team? Like, he should maintain about a similar role. He is a stud. He is also already 29 years old and will start the season as a 30-year-old wide receiver and it's pretty hard to convince people Cooper Cup again had the best season wide receivers had pretty much in forever last year at the same age as Devontae Adams is running it's pretty hard to convince him he's worth a first round pick next year so why are dynasty rankers who are pre and drafters predisposed to lean way too hard into value usually why can you not see that this time next year you you're gonna hate him like, it doesn't matter if he does exactly what he should do this year. You're going to hate. You'll be like, trade Devontae Adams. And there's only going to be me at the table. And I'm going to be like, about that discount. I don't get that at all. Like, we're going to draft this 30-year-old wide receiver in the top 12 with no fear. But that other 30-year-old wide receiver, he's scary. Like, I'm no. I'm just going to be, I'm going to draft the younger guys over him. And then next year, when you're all saying, sell Devontae Adams, I'm going to be the only guy that's interested and I'm not paying the price that you think I'm paying in trade because I know you're looking to get out of him. Because to that note, uh, the next guy I'm lowest on the consensus ADP um, is DeAndre Swift. I actually think we've talked about this on the Dynasty Grind and even the podcast when I was speaking to Zach a few different times. I think he definitely could break into the top five this year. I just think the inclination to draft him there as if he already has or should, like he can, but he's going to need some level of efficiency, and I don't like betting on the efficiency. He's more of a receiver than a rusher, and he already has a guy in the depth chart that already showed a split backfield and is very competent in both those phases of the game. Um, I, I think he's more limited top 12 guy, which I will definitely draft him as but not a top five upside guy. Like, frankly, I am drafting Jonathan Taylor, I am drafting Barkley and CMC as top five upside guys. Only Alvin Kamara 
and that level of player has been able to dominate the position in the way you would need for it to pay off. And Kamara has already proven it at this point. Swift is still kind of a question mark. Um, so, yeah, and I can get Kamara cheaper. So, uh, yeah, not that that matters because of this value calculation. Matt keeps reminding me of that. But I- I'm drafting him significantly below ADP. Um, overall, 27th overall as a running back six, um, which is 55% difference when you compare both of them to ADP. I'm not drafting him where his ADP is at. He's very, unless he falls drastically, he's not ending up on my roster. Um, and that's why I would just rather take other bets um, at wide receiver and quarterback, frankly, um, before uh, where DeAndre Swift is going in the draft. Next guy, uh, I hate it less than the, than the Justin Fields pick, um, but I still have to stick with the same process. I think there's a lot more, even more reason to believe Trevor Lawrence um, was desperately hurt by his team last year. Same with Justin Fields. I'm willing to lay the blame at the feet of the team management and the overall team performance. But the reason trends are trends or the reason breakout histories work is because they see all types of different situations and then the way it plays out tends to, on a percentage chance, side one side or the other. And so you can't start making excuses. Again, if I can fade Rondo more a little bit, not as much as some, some more than most, then I can maintain the process in other areas as well. And Trevor Lawrence is drafted. It's not a talent question here. It's just what normally happens. And and then following breakout trends, like there's no real reason to suspect we're due some great quarterbacks outside of individual context of the players. And so I'm going to be happy with the quarterbacks I know of and just draft them extra high um, rather than make these lower levels. They could could happen for these guys who had terrible first seasons so i'm out next guy the exact same reason so i'm just going to say it quick zach wilson and i would have thought i hated him more than justin fields but apparently not he's drafted 42nd overall in superflex adp i'm drafting him decently outside of that 60 spots lower 101 overall as a quarterback 25 um, I didn't even like his rookie profile. Is the difference between him and Lawrence and Fields. So definitely, definitely not going to go in on that. And um, one more quarterback note before uh, I switch over to two players I desperately hate not liking as well as consensus ADP. And Joe Burrow. I don't actually. I don't like this one. But Joe Burrow is drafted um, above quarterbacks I consider to be uh, of. A higher upside, frankly, that I'm putting ahead of him in my ranks. He's drafted as a quarterback four, and I definitely get it. He's a passing quarterback. He's got all the swagger. I have no question he's going to be in the league for the next 12 years and dominating. Cincinnati's going back to the Super Bowl, if not this year, then repeatedly over the next few years, because that team is impressive. But again, because I can't evaluate talent, because I have no knowledge of what it is uh, outside of volume and fantasy points, and Cincinnati in general last year was overly dependent on touchdowns. Joe Burrow especially was dependent on receiving touchdowns. That should regress. Now, the cure for that is more volume, but they passed an incredible number of times, and both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins were great. Like, there was not a lack of passing attempts going around, so it's a bit hard to believe that the passing touchdowns can be saved by volume. Um, even if Jamar Chase can still regress in touchdowns and increase in volume to maintain his already 
significantly top 12 production above T. Higgins, in my opinion. But I don't think the passing game is going to sustain that. Again, that doesn't mean they're going to do worse. But in terms of fantasy, I think we should have lower expectations for Joe Burrow. I think we saw an upside year of overall PPR output of that difference-making production. And and, uh, it should come down a little bit next year. And so I'm just fading in a little bit over some other quarterbacks. And again, because he's so highly ranked, and I agree with that, it really just takes one player assert above him and that makes this significant difference between me and ADP because it's such a high value next two players to get out of here um Austin Eckler and Chris Godwin those are my last two biggest fades there are others obviously I've got all 250 listed on that link on that sheet from top to bottom and that's in the article I sent to the left and is on Patreon but Austin Eckler Again, this feels like uh, more similar to Devontae Adams. I love the play. He's an undrafted free agent. He's proven the top five upside. He's got rushing and receiving, even though he's more of a receiver. He's smaller, despite everyone telling you only big running backs can be good. And there's really no great significant competition there for him. And the team is hot fire with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. I mean, yeah, sign me up. But here's the thing. He's a 27-year-old undrafted free agent. Like, just feels to me (laughs) that when everyone forgets they don't like something, I will remember it then. And even if he finishes, and he should definitely finish in the top 12 next year, if you want to trade him away, there's just going to be me at the table saying, this is why I let you draft them, because I still think they can put up points, and you who are afraid of age does not. Now, this is also true for my Devontae Adams comment. I meant to say it at the time, and I'm glad Eckler gets me an opportunity to circle back. I'm assuming the people drafting them are going to panic or want to trade them next year. Why? Because consensus ADP consistently does that. I don't believe Adams and Eckler alone are going to be resilient to this trend. So this time next year, I think a lot of content and a lot of drafters who are going to take them at their ADP because they should score points. And they're going to be like, and now I'll go find the sucker. And they're going to find that the vast majority of dynasty players are not suckers. Bets in terms of value, they're just points bets. And unless your team's definitely dominant, it can be a really risk and big risk in Dynasty to value Austin Eckler where he's going. And he's going 33rd overall in Superflex ADP. I only have him about 18 spots lower than that. I still have him as a top 14 running back. He should finish a lot higher than that in points this year. But again, I'm just playing the value game when it comes to running backs, especially older running backs, because if they're not already devalued, I just, the consistency in ADP is they're going to be. And I don't think running backs become less capable and they just become less noticed. Uh, and so, yeah, um, that's why Austin Eckler's fallen a little bit. And I like him. I dislike his ADP as much as Chris Goblin's and for similar reasons. And this is something that's come up on the dynasty grind a time or two, but we've never really gotten into it too far. Uh, Chris Goblin's 26. I think this time next year, after we see half a season this year of Chris Goblin, and let's just say, there's going to be no lag in his return to the field and being fully Chris Godwin. And with Tom Brady, this time next year, I don't know he has Tom Brady. This time next year, I don't know he's on the same team. And and assuming he has a great half a season this year when he comes back, he'll be 27 years old, potentially with a missing quarterback who may or may not have retired again. And, And even if that doesn't concern 
quote-unquote the market. What concerns me is Chris Godwin's always been an efficiency player. He's never co-opted more than 21% uh, of the target share. I think he maybe hit 22% once. And while that's not terrible, he's always kind of had to play out of his skis in terms of a per-target basis. He's not someone that... He's not a downfield receiver. Most people divide it between downfield and middle of the field. And Chris Godwin's kind of neither. He plays in the middle of the field. He doesn't play as a downfield deep threat necessarily, you know, just based on his overall ADOT. But he definitely seems to hover around efficiency as the main driving forces of his production rather than volume. And that always makes me nervous when we're talking about a player, especially... Uh, that dynasty players seem to be willing to maintain value on, and they're definitely maintaining his value right now at 62 overall in Superflex ranks, um, with an injury. And I just feel that's going to come down, if not during this season, then during next offseason. Um, and so right now, I don't want to place that on my bench. Since Grubwin should have a good half a season here, though I do fear that we always expect players to immediately be great um when they return back to the field which you know isn't normally always the case not talking injury prediction here but it's very reasonable to expect he's not going to immediately be chris godwin but maybe um and then we get half a season then it's an off season then he's a year older and then they get the whole gronk brady retirement talk again i think there are more than enough micro markets between now and then to make his adp right now significantly risky like if i want chris godwin and i actually do he's a great player he's a proven player someone i like um uh, a lot but i just think there's enough micro markets i might find him it, more possible to trade for him later rather than draft him outright uh, so yeah this is more of a micro market trend i will like chris godwin when people start not liking chris godwin in the future and that, I guess that's similar to Austin Eckler and Devontae Adams these are all great players and I will point out that I ran this calculation against consensus AD consensus ranks as well and and the consensus the six of the players in this Superflex rankings group all like Chris Godwin a lot more than me as well so it's not like I'm super smart like these six of the great dynasty players including uh, John Hogue, um, who's a great Superflex player and has a Superflex Super Show uh, that you should check out on the podcast network. Um, Ryan McDowell is ranking in these, as well as Mike. Like All six of those players are great Dynasty players. Yeah, not for nothing, I am kind of out on a limb on some of these players. Um, and the ones that uh, stick out in terms of I am low on them and consensus ranks, those other six players aren't. Chris Godwin, Jonathan Taylor, I guess that's no surprise. DeAndre Swift, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the top four differences between me and the other six rankers. And followed by Devontae Adams. So all of those guys, those good proven players, I'm much more, uh, uh, well, Trevor Lawrence being an exception here because I think sometimes dynasty players just get blinded by the potential of youth being better than it is. Um. I'm playing more of a micro-market game, and I think that's what's showing up in my biggest fades when you look at my ADP. Um, I'm going to look for players that I definitely like, because I prefer proven players as it is, but because as soon as we get into the questions of health and questions of age, um, I think it's more likely that I'm going to play a micro-market game than a long-haul game. And whereas when you look at my values, I'm definitely in consensus of the types of players I'm ranking above consensus ADP, 
But anyway, those are the players I'm fading the most according versus ADP. And, you know, I guess that's going to bite me in the ass by next year. But let me know what you think. Um, I think that sheet's really interesting, by the way, because I've changed a number of my ranks. Because I don't think that's cheating. Like, I want to like certain players more than consensus. I want to have more roster ship. And one of the striking things I've learned about it is how hard it is for me to like Juju Smith-Schuster more than average. And that's why I've had such a hard time trading for him. Because despite everyone telling you to fade Juju Smith-Schuster, on average, we have not followed that advice. And I think it's a really interesting exercise to go through. And it's nice to have some sort of way of valuing how different you are from ADP as opposed to just, I like Elijah Moore. I want Elijah Moore. Why don't I have enough Elijah Moore? But when you dig into it, it turns out you like Elijah Moore, but not significantly more than most of the players. And if nothing else, for me, someone trying to create content and create a process that might help someone else, or at least information that might help other people develop their own ideas. And it's a really good idea to have a sense of who you are actually going in on and who you are actually out on compared to everyone else instead of just picking the ones the players that you like that hit and then saying see i was right let me know what you think and let me know if you're going to the expo and i will talk to you on wednesday during the dynasty program thanks very much for checking it out see you next week yeah Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.